Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is John Darnell discussing a recent Yale archaeological find in the western desert of Egypt of a 3,500-year-old settlement thought to be an administrative center and bread factory. We're here today with Professor of Egyptology John Coleman Darnell of Yale University. He recently discovered a 3,500-year-old settlement in western Egypt, which appears to have been an administrative center and large-scale bread-baking facility. The site was named Umawajir, literally translated, Mother of All Bread Forms. Professor Darnell will talk about the discovery and its historical implications. Can you begin by telling us how you came to discover Umawajir? We discovered Umawajir as part of our work uh, in the Theban Desert Road system uh, with the Theban Desert Road Survey. Um, basically for, well, we're starting our 19th season now, we've been trying to locate the ancient roads of the Egyptian western desert leading in and out of the area of ancient Thebes, modern Luxor, roads that go in and out of this great Kenna Bend region of the Nile. This is the place where the shortest roads between the Upper Egyptian Nile and the Red Sea through the Eastern Desert and between the Upper Egyptian Nile and the Western Desert Oases all converge. So by following these roads, we literally go from site to site to site, and Umawajir is one of the most recently discovered of the sites to which those roads have led us. Can you just give me an idea of what was happening historically at the time that Umawajir would have been active? Umawajir flourished between about 1700 and 1550 BCE. So this is the time Egyptologists called the Late Middle Kingdom and the Second Intermediate Period. During this time, the central authority in the Nile Valley, the Pharaonic government, collapses essentially. It loses control of the northern part of the country to a group traditionally called the Hyksos, the rulers of foreign countries. They seem to have been some sort of a trade empire composed of northern Levantine coastal trading families, local Egyptian administrative and military officials who were essentially collaborating with this group, and large numbers of southern Syro-Palestinian groups, Bedouin groups, who move into the northern part of the country. At the same time, as the central administration collapses, as the Egyptian government collapses, the southern part of the country, everything south of modern Aswan, the first cataract of the Nile, is lost to a growing major Nubian kingdom, the kingdom of Kerma. So that what's left of Pharaonic Egypt shortly after 1700 BCE collapses down to the, the hinterland and the area around modern Luxor, ancient Thebes. So this is a period Egyptologists have, have sometimes assumed is a time of three warring parties in the Nile Valley, Hyksos in the north, Thebes in the middle, Kerma to the south, and something of a no-man's land out in the desert areas. What was Umar I know you say that it was probably devoted to baking, but um, was it a city populated with residents, or was it a colonial outpost? Can you describe possibly who the residents were? What we have at Umawajir now is a major, what you might call um, administrative 
and industrial core that stretches for about a kilometer north-south and approximately a quarter of a kilometer east-west along a, a ridge overlooking a deeper depression within the bigger depression of Harga Oasis. What we see here is an area in which intensive activity is going on over this, say, century, century and a half period. We have what appears to be an administrative area in the middle portion of the area, definitely baking activity in the far north. And the actual settlement itself, we still probably have not located. It, it probably comprised a number of farming areas and settlement areas surrounding this administrative core. Um, this has led you to speculate that there was a fourth group of people living in the Western Nile region uh, that, as you mentioned, has so far eluded historians and Egyptologists. But I'm wondering how you came to identify them as a, an ethnically discreet or culturally discreet group of people. We know that already by 2500 BCE, Dakhla Oasis, which is the oasis farther west than Harga, where Umawajir is located, we know that Dakhla was already a major outpost of the Egyptian state during the Old Kingdom. So, so all, almost a thousand years before Umawajir, good 800, 900 years before. Um, Harga has always seemed to be more or less this sort of empty area. Uh, for Egyptologists. Umawajir is the oldest major site in Harga Oasis by a good thousand years now. Um, Dakhla Oasis, which is the oasis west of Harga, we know was a major outpost of the Egyptian state by about 2500 BCE during the Old Kingdom. But Harga had always seemed to be this more or less empty area. Now we know at Umawajir that we have a group of people who have the same sort of ceramic material, have the same physical sorts of structures, etc., as the French Institute has discovered at the site of Balat in Dakhla Oasis. Now, the Umawajir site appears to cover actually more area than the known contemporaneous material at Balat, but it suggests that both Kharga and Dakhla shared a common culture during this period, during this time of the Second Intermediate Period, during this period when Egyptologists have often assumed that Kharga, at least, was more or less a no-man's land. What we can see from these people is that it is a native oasis group, you might say. that We, we know that's an oasian group because of certain pottery styles that are very common in Dakhla at the same time. Also common here, but not common in the Nile Valley. At the same time, although we see imported material from very far north, including Syro-Palestinian amphorae, we have imported material from the far south, from Nubia, all of that is rather minor, small percentages of the material. So the Umawajir material is closest to contemporaneous material from Dakhla Oasis. It, it's closer to that than it is to anything in the Nile Valley. Um, at the same time, we can see that culturally they share some affinities with Upper Egypt, with the region of ancient Thebes, modern Luxor. So it really does seem that Dakhla, Kharga together share a common oasis culture at this time. 
So what we need to see now are the Hyksos in the north part of the Egyptian Nile Valley, the Kerma in the south, Luxor, ancient Thebes in the middle, and a Kharga Dakhla polity of some sort out in the western desert. I know um, you have speculated that this group was somehow politically or culturally, but especially politically and perhaps militarily, allied with Thebes. What evidence do you have of that in this site? At the moment, this is still a bit speculative, but uh, we see in terms of negative evidence, we do not see anything approaching a preponderance of northern Hyksos styles in the pottery and other physical remains, nor do we see any vast amount of specifically Kerma material. In fact, just very, very few pieces that would suggest either Hyksos trade or Kerma trade passing through the area. But one particular type of clay, they are mixing Adumawajir to make the bread forms. And that recipe they are using for that clay is exactly the same recipe that is used for similar utilitarian material for um, other types of pottery associated with bread baking in the Theban area, in the area of modern Luxor. So just in that bread form recipe at Umawajir, we see that Theban bread baking technology in the form of that clay has itself been exported to the Umawajir site. So in terms of the physical remains and in terms of the ceramic fabric types, etc., we see some affinity with Upper Egypt, with the area of ancient Thebes. At the same time, we also find Nubian pottery at Umawajir. We find pottery from the far south, a type of, of, of pottery that we call pangrave. Some of this is made in the Nile Valley, so probably in ancient Nubia, the area around Aswan and south of Aswan. But some of the Nubian pottery is actually made in the oasis. And what this tells us is that these are not simply Nubian soldiers. The Pangrave are often associated with military policemen, apparently a group the Egyptians called the Medjoy. That's a term that's initially a, a tribal designation and comes to mean desert policemen or paramilitary forces for the Egyptians. These people seem to be constantly coming in as a small but constant part of the population at Umawajir. They're making their own cook pots even out in the oasis. And this suggests that we have not only the Nubian soldiers, but the Nubian soldiers are bringing their families with them. And they're maintaining a certain Nubian lifestyle at home. That and this great, what appears to us at the moment to be a surplus of bread that they appear to have been producing, this all would be consistent with maintaining some sort of military force at the site. So one of the purposes of the industrial area that we have discovered at Umawajir may actually have been to feed an army of some sort being maintained in the area. Well, I certainly would like to come back to how you uh, confirm what you're right now speculating. I presume you're going back to the site and doing more excavating, or what, what happens from now? 
We'll be returning to the site to do more excavation to um, carry out a number of additional test squares in various areas of the site to see just exactly what the various subdivisions of labor and, and specialization were at the site. Because we already know that the far northern area is specialized in bread production. We find a very limited number of ceramic types there, and most of those are open forms, cups, bowls, and the bread forms. We don't find very many major storage jars in that area, but we, we have um, higher percentages of storage jars in other areas. So although it is a very large site, you can see that there is some sort of administrative control because the site itself is subdivided, similarly to how uh, an individual home would have a kitchen area and a living area, etc. We're beginning to see that at this very large site. So we can see that it's administered um, and that the site as a whole is not simply a collection of a lot of people doing the same things, but there are areas of specialization. So we'll try to identify those with additional test squares. We will also be um, carrying out um, investigations involving uh, ground-penetrating radar to see if we can identify, say, possible enclosure walls of the area and additional outlying areas. At the same time, we continue to investigate the trade routes astride which Umawajir sat. It is astride major east-west and north-south roads. And we have actually, this past season, identified the remains of the ancient pharaonic version of the fabled Darbal Arbaeen Road, the Road of the Forty, this, this ancient caravan route that connects the western desert of Egypt with areas to the far south and southwest, down into the areas of Darfur and Kordofan and areas beyond. So we'll continue to work at Umawajir and at the same time push our investigations of the desert roads out farther. Well, right now, what would you say the most significant contribution of this discovery is to our understanding of uh, Egyptian history at this period? I think for us, it, it's two things at the moment. It confirms what we have begun to see a number of years ago on a number of the desert roads leading west out of ancient Thebes. We, we see around 2000 BCE a change in how the Egyptian government is approaching the southern oases of the western desert. We see a conscious effort being made to develop that area, not as a place in which to set up outposts like the Old Kingdom did in Dakhla, but actually an effort made to integrate northern Nubia to the south and the southern oases to the west into the actual economy of the Egyptian state. We've seen this in inscriptional material. We've seen this in the form of major outposts that we have discovered along the main east-west road connecting ancient Thebes to Karga. So the presence of this major center at Umawajir shows us one of the outcomes of this early effort to integrate the area economically into the Egyptian state. It also shows us that Karga is not a no-man's land during the time of the Second Intermediate Period. It not only pushes the major sites in Karga back a good thousand years, but it shows us in connection with the work of the French Institute in Dakhla, it shows us that Karga and Dakhla appear to have had a fairly major population that was culturally more or less homogeneous with some connections to the far north and to the far south and to the Theban area as well. So that in this period of civil war in the Nile Valley, in this 
period of internal stress and turmoil that we call the second intermediate period. We do not just have three warring parties strung out along the Egyptian Nile Valley, but we have a fourth entity in the Western Desert. So that any reconstructions of the period, any reconstructions of how the Hyksos, Kerma Kingdom, the Thebans dealt with one another has now to include this fourth group out in the Western Desert. And that really is one of the most significant outcomes, I believe. Thank you so much, Professor Darnell. Thank you. That was John Darnell talking about the ancient city of Um Mawagir and how the recent discovery might alter historians' understanding of the second intermediate period in Egyptian history.